Hi, good morning again. It's Alexander to be with you guys at Sarepta Church. I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus and really good to be with you again. Thanks for receiving me, Alan, and the team to teach on prayer. And this is actually a very important theme that all of you guys pursue for the first part of this year in terms of your own spiritual discipline and growth to really build your relationship with Jesus, but also to learn how to work with Jesus in advancing his kingdom. So it's both personal prayer as well as corporate prayer as a church praying together. So I've been talking in, uh, on this theme of Lord, teach us to pray. The request of the disciples and it is as real in, for us today as it was for them all those 2,000 years ago. And the first talk I spoke about is learning with Jesus about prayer in response to teach us to pray. The second talk I did last week was, was about <clears throat> Jesus' teaching, learning from Jesus' teaching, and specifically focused in Luke chapter 11. And I looked at that passage and the so-called Lord's Prayer, which actually is the disciples' prayer, that Jesus gave us to pray as both words as well as a pattern of prayer. So today I'm going to talk about learning from Jesus's example of prayer. And then the last talk next week will be about learning from Jesus's source of prayer, which actually was praying the Psalms. So I'll do a talk on praying the Psalms and how we learn to pray from praying the Psalms. But in terms of Jesus's example, of prayer. Um, Luke's gospel focuses on Jesus as a man of prayer and therefore Jesus as a man of the Spirit. But before I look at that, I want to quickly refer to Matthew chapter 6 because I ran out of time last week <laughs> to finish that off. So in Matthew chapter 6, which is the parallel passage to Luke 11, Jesus teaches his followers on the so called Sermon on the Mount. The three core spiritual practices. Um, or disciplines of spiritual formation. When you give, it doesn't say if you give, when you give. It doesn't say if you pray, it says when you pray. And he, he doesn't say if you fast, but when you fast. Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus expects all his followers giving, praying, and fasting are, are marks of discipleship. Uh, they are the characteristics of those who follow Jesus. And he gives specific instruction just on prayer then from verse, verse 6. He says, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. He teaches comparatively with the Pharisees who were hypocrites. And they prayed in a way that drew attention to themselves to show off their spirituality. But Jesus says, verse 6, this is the key verse. But when you pray. You go into your closet, that's the old word, into your inner room, into your bedroom or your study or some inner place. And when you have closed the door and left your cell phone outside, <laughs> if not baptize your cell phone <laughs> before you go, but close out all interruptions and pray to your father in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What Jesus is teaching here is the importance of the daily discipline of 
prayer alone with God. And next week when I talk on uh, Jesus' source of prayer, the Psalms, you'll see how the Psalms actually teach morning prayer and evening prayer. And that I will be speaking on. But very clearly, Jesus as a Jew and more so as a rabbi with a yeshiva, a learning school of Talmudim, disciples around him, taught them the rhythm of daily prayer and engagement in ministry of the kingdom and then withdrawal for daily prayer and engagement. And so Jesus says, we need to pray on our own in a room without interruption and build up a secret history with God that other people don't know about. Because if I'm praying to my father before my father for the audience of one, not for the audience of anyone else, God sees what's happening. There is this interaction. There is this growing capacity. And then God backs me up publicly. He rewards me openly because of my secret prayer life. There is the public power for being Jesus to the community and the world in which I move and live and have my being. So just I just wanted to emphasize that as I as I get into Jesus's example of prayer is Jesus very specifically teaches us to pray alone with God in secret, which we don't have to talk about or advertise how much or, or whatever, but it's a daily regular rhythm of daily alone time with Jesus where you are naked before God and you engage him eyeball to eyeball, face to face, mouth to mouth. As it says, it's, God spoke of Moses he said, to Aaron and to Miriam. He said, you guys think you're complaining about Moses and you want to be prophets. But if, I, if there are prophets in Israel, I talk to them through visions and dreams. But with my servant Moses, he's my friend. And I talk to him face to face. And uh, it's actually fascinating in the Hebrew. There's one phrase in the book of um, Exodus Panim el panim, face to face, which is profound intimacy. But in Deuteronomy, it actually says uh, peh el peh, mouth to mouth. That's how I talk to, to Moses. I mean, that's Moses was such a profound prayer and a companion of God that he is the guy um, who's called a friend of God, as well as, of course, Father Abraham is also called a friend of God in the Hebrew Old Testament. So that's just my opening uh, um, um, emphasis from Matthew chapter 6 to impress upon you Jesus taught as a mark of discipleship, daily prayer alone with God, which we call a quiet time um, or devotions. But it is really important. So, then looking at Jesus' example of prayer from the Gospel of Luke. And Luke, of, of all the Gospel writers, presents Jesus as a man of prayer. He refers to prayer the most. And therefore, Jesus is a man of the Spirit. And Luke's continual reference to the outpouring of the Spirit and prophecy is basically an overflow of this profound emphasis on prayer and Jesus' prayer life. And of course, it overflows and continues into the book of Acts because Luke wrote one book in two parts, the story of Jesus and the story of the early church, the acts of the Holy Spirit through the acts of the apostles, which also equally was sourced in this profound uh, culture 
and practice of prayer as the source of the power of the Spirit in and through them operating in the world around them. So just to preface, I'm going to do a quick summary through Luke's Gospel. And once again, if you have your Bibles, I'm just going to read a text and comment, and you're welcome to to make notes or watch the video afterwards. But this is a quick, quick overview tour (laughs) through the Gospel of Luke, of Luke's picture of Jesus's example of prayer. But even before he gets to Jesus, he predates the birth of Jesus. He precedes the birth of of Jesus with his very first emphasis on prayer in verse 10. So Luke chapter 1 verse 10, it starts, it says that when Zechariah was doing his duty as a priest in the temple, offering the incense, it says, Verse 10, and when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Here is Luke's first reference to prayer. Then all the circumstances around uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Elizabeth conceiving with John the baptizer, and then Mary and Mary con- being the Holy Spirit coming upon her and the conception of Jesus, it's all couched in prayer and prophecy and the Spirit active and and at work, which I'm not going to go into. But then, of course, the the uh, Luke is the only gospel writer who lifts the veil on Jesus's um, youth. That at the age of twelve, he he's left in Jerusalem, um, and he do, he doesn't go back with his parents um, after they. They visit at the Feast of Passover to Jerusalem. But he's found three days later debating with the rabbis and the sages of Israel in the temple area. And his response to his mother when she said, Oi, where were you? Don't you care for us? We were worried, sick for you. Um, And then he says, but don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And what Luke briefly does is this um, lifting the veil on Jesus's youth is is an insight into Jesus's profound consciousness at the age of 12 already developed through his own prayerful relationship with God that actually his whole life destiny was to be about his father's business. And even there, he might well have used Abba. In the Aramaic, because Abba Yosef, his own earthly father, was a carpenter and Jesus worked in his dad's business and learned his dad's business, Abba's business. But it was all just a parable of how he learned his heavenly Abba's business through contemplative prayer and memorization and meditation in Torah and the prophets. So coming to Jesus then. In chapter 3 is the first reference to Jesus praying, and this is at his baptism. So Jesus, at the age of, of, of um, 30, leaves Nazareth, goes to John the baptizer at the River Jordan, and is discipled by him for a while, and then asks John to baptize him. So chapter three twenty one it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, this is a common phrase of Luke, as he was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice spoke from heaven. So Luke is the only one who records that at Jesus' baptism by John, he was praying, he was in prayer. And the effect of this prayer was as he was praying, the atmosphere parted. 
the Holy Spirit manifested and a voice was heard of affirmation, affirming love. And so Luke starts off, Jesus is a man of prayer at the beginning of his ministry, his public ministry. He started his public ministry in prayer, formally, publicly. And that was party to opening up the heavens, the spirit baptizing him with power in the love of the father, with the affirmation of you are my son, my beloved, and I'm pleased with you. And then that Holy Spirit and prayerfulness drove him in chapter 4 into the desert where he spent 40 days in prayer in the Judean desert, fasting and praying to commune with his father. And at that time, the devil came to him and he had the, the three temptations which he defeated because of the memorization and quotation of scripture. So that's Paul, uh, Luke's fourth reference to prayer. If you go over to chapter 4, verse 42. So when Jesus comes out of the wilderness and begins his ministry um, and teaches in the synagogue, then after the synagogue teaching, he goes home to um, Peter's mother-in-law's house or Peter's house and they bring the sick people there and he heals them all. And then it says, the next morning, verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. And then the people came looking for him where he was. And uh, Luke is drawing, I'm, I'm assuming, from Mark's version. Because Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says that after he healed all the sick late into the night, um, after preaching in the morning in, um, in the synagogue, then he went to sleep and early in the morning before the sun rose Jesus went out to a solitary place to pray and then the disciples at some point after they woke up way bit later came looking for him and said where are you the people are looking for you for more healing but here is a reference that early in the morning Jesus went out for prayer and I believe personally he's drawing from the songs of the suffering servant of Isaiah, Isaiah's servant songs, where the, the third um, song in Isaiah chapter 50, it says, Morning, <laughs> it's to me so amazing, Morning by morning, he awakens me to listen as one being taught. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary because he opens my ear, morning by morning, as I wake even before the sun rises and I go to a solitary place, a lonely place, to be alone with my Father in secret, to pray, to commune, to collaborate about my day and what I'm the will of God, of my Father, that I'm going to do this day as it is in heaven and liberate people into the kingdom. So there is a reference to Jesus praying in the early morning. And then the the sixth reference is in chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. And I, again, also find this actually remarkable. So Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, it says, Luke says, Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more after all his healings, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. 
What a remarkable statement that Luke puts here. People were coming to Jesus and flocking after him, literally in the thousands, because he fed 5,000 men. Those writers in those days only counted the men. So if you add the women and kids, 10,000 people flocked after Jesus for the miracles. And yet Luke says, but at, there were times when people came for healing, but he didn't engage in ministry. He withdrew from the crowds, found a lonely place just to pray because Jesus knew the source of not only his ministry, and his leadership, but of his very life, was prayer, was intimacy, was communion with Father and collaboration with Father. So there is this regular rhythm in life Jesus of withdrawal into solitary place, silence, prayer, engagement with God, direct, one-on-one, closing the door, leaving the cell phone outside, and then re-engagement in life with people and business and work and appointments and cleaning the house and getting the kids to school. And, and whatever, then withdrawal into God's presence. There's this constant rhythm in Jesus, which, which he learned, I believe, and all Jews learn through the book of Psalms, praying the Psalms, which is next week's teaching. So then um, the, the, the next reference in the book of Luke um, is chapter 6, verse 12, where Luke presents Jesus here praying through the whole night. So it says, on one of the... On one of those days, Jesus went up a a mountainside to pray. And again, common in the Gospels is Jesus looked for mountains or hills to go wherever he was, to go to be alone and to pray. And he spent the whole night praying to God. And when the morning came, he called his disciples to him. And then he chose of them, 12 of them from among them, and he designated them apostles. And then he lists the names. So before Jesus chose out of the disciples that were following, the 12 that would become his leadership team and the, basically the fathers of the church who would sit on the 12 thrones to judge the 12 tribes of Israel to symbolize the renewed Israel, the, the 12 patriarchs of the new kingdom Israel, the redeemed Israel, not the ethnic Israel of the 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament. So Jesus spent the whole night praying through the night before he chose and appointed the 12. And I'm sure he prayed about Peter, the apostle, for about an hour and had an argument with his father because Peter always put his mouth, his foot in his mouth and Peter was an impetuous, impulsive guy. And then he prayed very quickly and easily about John, probably one minute the beloved disciple, I just love that young man. He, and the father said, yes, he's one of yours. Okay, father, what a joy, what a pleasure. And he prayed about all 12 names. And the father showed him. And then when he got to Judas Iscariot, I think Jesus prayed for six hours, uh, negotiating with the father. Father, I think I, I, I know something about that guy. I don't want him to be one of my elders. I think he's going <laughs> to stab me in the back. I don't trust him. No, my son, he's one of your elders. I'm giving him to you. You choose him. And uh, dear friends, Jesus prayed the whole night. Jesus prayed now and again through the night and to make big decisions that would affect his life and also for grace that when he was stabbed in the back, 
he would be able to forgive without anger. That is, to me, is most remarkable, Jesus' prayer life. And then the next text is Luke chapter 9. So Jesus um, comes to another place up, up north in Philippi, Caesarea, where he asks his disciples, who do people say I am? Ah, oh, some say that you're John the Baptizer, some this, some that. Who do you guys say I am? And Peter has a revelation. you the Mashiach, the king. And then after that encounter, when Jesus reveals and discloses his real identity, it says, verse 28, about eight days after that encounter, that story, Jesus said to said this, and he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, exact same phrase in the Greek as Luke chapter 3, verse 31, as Jesus was praying as his baptism, as he was praying, his appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became bright and flashing like lightning. And then two men appeared. So here is the mountain of transfiguration. But Luke puts it in the context of Jesus' prayer life. Jesus, after disclosing his identity, seven, eight days later, he looks at a mountain, he goes up the mountain, and traditionally it's Mount Tabor, the place of transfiguration, where he experienced the Taboric light of the Shekinah of God. But as he was praying, he went up to pray. Then as he was praying with just three of his closest companions, he was transfigured and the Shekinah of God shone through his body. And uh, there was the, these mystical uh, encounters of Moses and Elijah appearing and then a cloud coming over and a voice speaking from the cloud. What a glorious encounter. No wonder old Peter said, hey, we want to build three t tabernacles here, three tents and stay in this Jesus conference forever. We're going to start, you know, the Holy Cloud Shekinah uh, Ministries International. Um, but the context was prayer. Prayer transfigures you. When you pray, and the more you pray, the more you are transfigured from one degree of glory into another. Um, you literally, the Greek word is metamorphur. You are transfigured. You are morphed. From your old nature into your new nature in Christ and ever increasingly shining with the glory of God. In fact, it reminds me of the text from Solomon going back to Proverbs chapter 3 that the righteous, <laughs> the righteous are like the rising sun that shine ever brighter till the full light of day, noonday, when the sun is at its brightest. Prayer transfigures you morphs you into the shining image of Christ the more you pray. And then Luke chapter 11, which we discussed last week, that when Jesus was praying, the, other, the disciples observed and were so impressed, they said, please teach us to pray. And Jesus teaches them. So I'm coming to an end, chapter 18. Then the next reference that Luke has of Jesus in prayer is that chapter 18, verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never to give up. And then he, he speaks about this, this, this poor widow who pesters a judge 
for justice and pesters her until he eventually is exasperated and gives her justice. It's the similar story to Luke 11 of this chutzpah, this boldness, this cheekiness that will ask and keep on asking and persevere and persist in prayer. Because those of you who pray a lot know that you have to learn to persist and prevail in prayer because the devil will tell you not to pray. He will make you feel like your words are dribbling down your cheek and forming a puddle around you. The devil becomes active and works against you as soon as you decide you're going to go pray. Believe you me, some mornings when I wake up and I say, now I'm going to pray, there's something in me that says, just bypass the fridge and have a look in the fridge. And when I open the fridge door, I see this lovely cheesecake left over from last night. And it winks at me and says, eat me. (laughs) And before I realize it, I'm seduced into all sorts of other things and I don't have my prayer time. That's just a little... uh, my own parable. And then lastly, Luke chapter 22, verse 39. In Gethsemane, Jesus prays the evening after the Passover meal and before he's crucified. And he's in a desperate battle of prayer for help. And God, it says, God sends angels to strengthen him. And he says to his disciples, watch and pray that you don't enter the pyrasmos, the testing, in, into temptation. And then on the cross, chapter 23, verse 34, Luke is the only one who who records these words. When they're driving the nails in his hands, he prays on the cross and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then lastly, according to Luke, in verse 46 of chapter 23, Jesus' last words is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he's actually praying Psalm 31, verse 5. And what is very interesting, every prayer that Jesus prayed, all the words that Jesus said while he was on the cross, there are seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. They all come from the book of Psalms because Jesus had learned all 150 Psalms by heart. They are the prayers of Israel and Jesus had memorized them and was praying them with his breath constantly. And that source of prayer, praying the Psalms, was in his heart, in his mind, on his lips. Constantly that gave him the strength and the grace to endure the cross with joy and forgiveness and releasing everyone. That I'm going to talk about next week. The source of Jesus' prayer life, praying the Psalms. But I trust the example of his prayer life and the effect of his prayers will inspire you with greater appetite and discipline to go pray daily and practice prayer. God bless you.